0: This is Ed Stetser Live, and uh, this and every Saturday, we're having conversations about cultural issues, about uh, issues of faith, issues of you know, the, the, the days and the times that we walk through. Um, last couple weeks, I've actually been joining you from Oxford, where I've been uh, living this autumn, teaching there at Oxford University. But I actually came back home. Uh, I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, and I'm a dean and a professor at Wheaton College. And this, this week, we actually had a special conference, our Amplify Outreach Conference, which went exceedingly well. Great to have so many wonderful speakers and leaders. Uh, hopefully pointing people to the mission to make much of Jesus and more. Um, but also came back and we, re, we uh, inaugurated the naming of the school that I serve. It's now the A. Dwayne Litfin School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership, named after the uh, former president of Wheaton College, long-term president of Wheaton College. And so I am actually back here. I'm in the basement of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in our studio uh, with Tyler, who's always doing a great job as engineer here, but also got a whole team down at uh, at downtown Chicago as well. So um, for one more day tomorrow, I preach at my church at High Point Church, and I fly back to London, then up to Oxford, where my wife is. I left my wife in England, so I want to go back there, my class on Monday as well. So um, we, we talk about a lot of subjects, sometimes heavy, sometimes light, and this is um, going to be a little bit of more of a heavy subject. And um, let, let me start. And, uh, and it actually involves the, the, the death of a family member. And I'll get to more of that in just a minute. But um, in 1755, uh, this might be a strange beginning of a show, but in 1755, one of the things that is always, uh, I don't know, for me, I, I remember this. I'm reading about the 1755 Lisbon earthquake. It's also known as the Great Lisbon Earthquake. That may sound like a strange. Uh, Thing to remember, but the reason is it was actually a very large earthquake. Estimates estimates put the death toll somewhere thirty to fifty thousand people. It's one of the deadliest earthquakes in history. And what's I mean, there are earthquakes. People, more people, you know, have died in tragedies and more. But and there's a lot of things that relate to the earthquake. For example, it became studied scientifically, um, and it actually leads to something called uh, the modern science of seismology. But for me, one of the things that it really struck me on is later when I would read Voltaire, and uh, Voltaire in uh, Candide uh, actually writes about the Great Lisbon Earthquake. Actually, it impacted all kinds of people in what's called the Age of Enlightenment. And um, people saw the the shift in, uh, in, in the way people saw Christian faith in Europe and more, Partly because of the timing of the earthquake, it you know happened on Sunday morning. Um, there were people in church on uh, you know attending church and then the, the of course the earthquake came and, and and many people died there in church. It was on all Saints Day, uh, which would be uh, november first and then uh, and then after the earthquake came, there was fire, more people died and then after the fire came, the tsunami came, and more people died. So you can tell it 's going to be a heavy show. Why in the world am I starting with this so um, for for people like Voltaire uh in and Candide it pointed to the reality that um that maybe this is not the best of all possible worlds which which in other words had to do with a, a world where god was engaged and involved supervising uh what happens you know what if if these bad things could happen and in you know, we we call this in theology theodicy uh theodicy is is uh, really a thinking through of how Bad things, evil things can happen in the world. And so, so this actually really became a major moment in, in European philosophy and more, and, and really shaped the thinking of people for a long time. Immanuel Kant writes about this, and, and lots of others write about this as well. It leads to a, a great debate of, of God and his work in the world and how do we respond to difficult and uh challenging and painful circumstances, uh, situations, uh, the loss of people that matter to us. And that's, that's partly what we're gonna talk about today. Um, I remember the day that I saw um, on the, I think it was on Twitter, that um, that someone I know, someone I'd met, I think we'd, uh, my guests today have been together, I think it was the Ligonier National Conference, probably the last time we were physically together. But read is, is stuff, engages resources, we've engaged online a few times. Um, and I saw uh, Tim Challies, and uh, Tim Challies, uh son, who I, I I didn't I didn't know Tim's family. I, I, we, Tim and I have just met, and then again engaged online. For those of you know, some of you know Challies.com is sort of a, a destination location for a lot of people. He's an early innovator in the blogosphere. Um, there wasn't even a, we didn't even use the word blogosphere when Tim first sort of doing some of these blogs. And uh, tens of thousands of people go to visit Tim uh, just challies.com each day. and Tim is a uh, he's a speaker. He's an author, written lots of articles, um, uh, serves in a local church. and he's the author of several books, including uh, the newest book that we're talking about today, Seasons of Sorrow: The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. And uh, I actually saw uh, on that moment when on November 3rd, 2020, uh, when uh, when the news was that Tim's son, well, I'm gonna have I'm gonna actually have him tell the story, but his son uh, Nick suddenly suddenly died, and here we are. We we all face these uh, tragedies. Everyone has tragedies. Maybe not this level of tragedy when you lost a young son, 20 year old student at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but for all of us, and the reason I, I started talking about this Great Lisbon earthquake and this, I mean, it really shook the faith of a lot of people. And the reason I have been often, I think I've talked about the Great Lisbon Earthquake before on the show, is because I, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder how in the midst of the pain, we, I would respond, I, I, I wonder how I might respond. And so I was, I was um, challenged, I don't, I don't know the right word to use when I saw Tim had written a book on this, but I knew I wanted to have a conversation with him. And I wanted you to be a part of that conversation. So. So, again, it's a sober topic, and, but, and I wanted you to know that as I framed this. Um, it's a sober topic where we're going to jump into our conversation uh, with Tim Challies, who's joining us from Toronto. Tim, I understand we had some technical difficulties, but I think we've got you on your, on your cell phone now, which I hope will work. And uh, welcome to Ed Stetzer Live. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. We did have a bit of trouble, but I, I hope it's worked out now. Yeah, it sounds good, and I, I don't know how much you heard at the beginning. I talked a little bit about uh, theodicy and you know the best of all possible worlds and Voltaire, probably you know a little more philosophical than was necessary, but 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 I, I think for for me the even the fact that we're having this conversation is, I mean, it's jarring to me. I can't imagine the pain uh, and the challenge that you went through, and you take and this, the book is is to look at grief and faith and hope and. And fear and and all of these things. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about the story of November 3rd, uh, 2020.
1: Yeah, so uh, you mentioned that Nick was a seminary student down at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was also a student at Boyce College because he was doing the concurrent uh, master plus um, bachelor degree program and doing really well. Um, doing well in his studies and doing well in life. He had just become engaged. And um, as one of the uh, resident advisors at his school, he was taking some of the kids out just to play a game of, I think, kickball of all things. They were just gooping around in a nearby park when very suddenly his heart stopped and he collapsed. And um, students there and a doctor who happened by and paramedics did their utmost, but uh, they couldn't save him. And so uh, we started getting messages, uh, text messages first, and then phone calls, and uh, eventually the one from the doctor saying that they had done everything they could, but uh, he was gone. And so, just a tremendously difficult night, leading to a tremendously difficult stretch of time.
0: I can't imagine. I, and and you know, I guess for me, um, I, I wonder. You know, as you, as you write a book on this subject, I mean, you're a writer, you're a thinker, and I'm deeply thankful for the. I mean, the ways you've challenged me over the years. Um, but to come back to bring to this pain, to this painful moment, to this painful reality in a book, um, to share, you know, you've shared details and your pain, and then we're going to talk through those things. Why 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 write on that? I, I don't, I just, you know, I, for me, I just think I don't know that I'd want to, I mean, we all grieve in different ways, but why why write on the subject? Why write on this moment?
1: Yeah, so it wasn't something I looked back on as much as something I was doing in the moment. So Mm -hmm. those who read Seasons of Sorrow will see that it really is a real time journey. It was written day by day, beginning that first night and extending all the way to the first anniversary of Nick's death. So uh, I didn't realize I was writing a book, at least for the first several months, really. I was just writing because writing is what I do. It's how I think it's my meditation. It's my therapy. It's, it's just how I work through ideas. And here suddenly I was in this time where so many things I thought I knew had been turned upside down. I was dealing with new things. All I could do was write. That's how I I work these things out. And so I was writing somewhat articles for my site or just to keep people uh, in the loop. Um, you remember at this time, the, the border between Canada and the US was functionally closed because of the pandemic. And it was a, a just difficult time to even be involved with people with family on both sides. So the, the writing was something I did just very naturally and eventually. I realized, well, this could probably be a book.
0: Mm. And, and, and I, I think when, I mean, again, the real time nature of it, we're going to talk some about this when we come back as well. These seasons that you walk through, you teach, you touch on each season as well. And my guess is this is going to minister to a lot of people, and I want to invite them to engage in the conversation with us. The number is 877 548 3675. Again, that's 877 548 3675. We're talking about seasons of sorrow. The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God uh, with Tim Challies. We'll continue with your calls in just a moment. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at MoodyPublishers.com. Hey, we're back with Tim Challies. Uh, We're talking about his his new book. It's called Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Tim, just before uh, we took a Quick break. You were talking a little bit about the writing and the process, and and I this actually begins on the plane and goes through these these seasons. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, so that first night, uh, we managed to be able to get a flight down to Louisville. My daughter was a student there as well, and so we desperately wanted to be with her. She had witnessed her her brother's death, and. Um, on that plane, I just started to write because I needed to inform family, I needed to inform friends and the people who read my site. And um, so it was the first little dispatch I posted the next morning just to let people know. And um, then I continued writing and decided to cap it one year later. So I thought it would just be a journal through that first year of grief. And I traced it through the seasons and it died in November. And so from uh, winter into uh, spring and uh, summer and um so the seasons are, you know, it it provides a a flow through the book, but they're also somewhat symbolic, right? The fall where things die and um, go go gray at least around here, and then the the cold winters and then the promise of spring and the, the beauty and warmth of summer. And so I think that in in its own way traces the journey of grief as well.
0: Hmm. I and I read those articles. I read them as they come out. I prayed for you. I know so many of us did. Um the, um, the, the, the grief that you walked through is, is a key part of the theme, but you actually refer to this as the ministry of sorrow, which we don't think of. I mean, we think of ministry as exhortation. We think of ministry as something other. How is it a ministry of sorrow?
1: Yeah, we, we had to think about this a lot, but... Um you know i come from that that reformed tradition of christians where we love to talk about god's sovereignty we we talk about it a lot but usually we're talking about god's sovereignty in the realm of salvation how god saves his people but um, God's sovereignty extends over over everything, um, even matters of life and death. And so we had to, to grapple with the reality that Nick's death was God's plan, that Nick hadn't died by mistake, and hadn't, hadn't, God hadn't fallen asleep or fallen asleep at the wheel. And Nick had died according to God's plan. And once we reconciled ourselves to that, we could then begin to ask, Well, what does God intend to do through this? Um, how can we really just grow in Christian character and grow in godliness and grow in love for God and service toward others through our sorrow. And so I'd say the ministry of sorrow is just what God calls you to when you've experienced sorrow. What are you going to do with that sorrow? Turn it outward into love and service for others and uh, to bring glory to God.
0: Yeah, so so um, again, you're, you don't shy away from some of the issues of grief and some of the theological issues through this as well. Um, to articulate this was God's plan. You know, and people sort of think about this differently. You know, people write books and talk about why bad things happen to good people. And some would say, well, God can't help it. Some would say that the system is broken and that's the brokenness impacts everybody, but God doesn't actively do it. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that people sort of struggle with how to articulate this. And you don't shy away from talking about this uh, in the understanding of the sovereignty of plan of God. Um, So with that being said, um, did did you walk through that and, and question whether God's plan was good, if that was God's plan, and how did you wrestle through some of those things? Of
1: course you have to start thinking about God's
0: plan, and you have to start thinking
1: about whether that plan is good, but um, God's plans are inseparable from God's character, right? The, a good God could not create evil plans, and so if we really establish ourselves in the goodness of God, and Like so many, you know, I heard that little phrase so often as a kid, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And there's a simple little phrase that can go deep into the heart of a person to think God is always good. And so if Nick passes away at a time I didn't expect, we didn't foresee this in any way, how could I say that God has done something evil? If God was involved in this, if God permitted this? It must in some way be good, even if I can't see that goodness now. And so just reconciling myself to that and thinking, okay, well, how is God going to bring good from this? How I don't know that I'll see in this life, on this side of eternity, all that God has done or even God's reasons. He doesn't necessarily give us reasons. What I can do is say, God is good all the time. I'm going to profess and proclaim that. I'm going to live like that's true and continue to trust and love and serve him.
0: Mm. Um. Probably one of the reasons that I, I think a lot about these things. One of the reasons that, both having you on the show, but also beginning talking some about facing these difficult, painful situations, is uh, having watched my my sister died about the same age that Nick did of a of a rare form of cancer, and watching my parents, and not just my parents, but me and everyone, it, it either seemed to drive people um, away from God, um, or it drove people to God, um, and it was you know it was very very painful season. And and so, I mean, clearly in this journey for you, uh, it, it drew you to God. But I imagine that wasn't always a a straight line. What was some of, and again, you write some about this, the, again, again, the name of the book is Seasons of Sorrow, the Pain and Loss of and the Comfort of God, pain, the Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Um, what how, how did you wrestle, is that a right word? How did you wrestle with God through these seasons of sorrow? Yeah, I think what you said there is astute that
1: when we endure a great tragedy, a great sorrow, we're not the same afterwards. Something is going to change within us. And I think that's often because we've just come to a deeper assessment of who God is and how God works in this world. Most of us live fairly simple lives, fairly good lives. We experience so many graces, so many pleasures, that when something truly, truly difficult or painful happens, we have to reassess God himself and our relationship with him and the great mystery is that two people can encounter the same circumstance, and one draws to God, and the other runs from God, um, either temporarily or sometimes even permanently. Um, that's why, in the if you're speaking to atheists or or reading their literature, so much dwells on how could a God who's good do this, and and the arguments they make. Um, I, I, told, I mentioned before how I just had to hone in on the goodness of God. And as a family, we continue to profess that God was good. And I think that kept us from really wandering too far, or from even um, being tempted to disparage the, the character of God. We, whenever you're going through a time of, of sorrow, a time of loss, you've got to anchor yourself to something. You know, everything around you is shaken and broken. You think, well, what can I hold to as being absolutely indisputably true? And for us, that was these twin values, these, these twin realities: the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God. And when we put those two things together, we could start drawing out the implications of them, and that I think kept us from um, from a lot of of potential wandering.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I, I can imagine that. These are—it's a complex journey. Uh, let me remind people again. We're going to take your calls. We're, we're going to go to those in just a minute. But uh, the number is eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Again, those are it's a U.S. number: eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. In the in the very beginning, um, you, uh, uh, you the very beginning experience, you write: "I cannot and will not mourn as one who has no hope, who has no confidence, who has no assurance." And that that moved me. Um, and again, even my sister was a follower of Jesus. And so we do mourn differently. How should mourning be different for those of us who are followers of Jesus who maybe lose someone who's a follower of Jesus as Nick obviously was? I think there's a number of things in play. First,
1: it's simply what we've been talking about. We acknowledge that God's hands are upon this world. So whatever else we believe, we know this didn't happen apart from God's notice, apart from God's knowledge. And and so that adds meaning to our loss. We, we can believe that God is up to something in this world. And that path sometimes leads through real difficulties and real trial, but we can still believe that God is God is doing something in this world, and we get to be part of that. And then, of course, we get to look forward in time to this great day when all will be made right and every tear will be dried. And I think at that time, we can expect that God will explain some of this. Not that he owes us an explanation, but why wouldn't he explain many of these things in order to bring glory to himself, just to show what he was accomplishing, to show what he was doing? Um, and so we grieve as people who are hopeful, hopeful that there is meaning and purpose behind these things, hopeful that that good will come from it in one way or another, and hopeful ultimately that god will will make all things right and all things well
0: mm. I often say to people talking about grieving, and even our own mentioning my sister earlier is that God doesn 't promise us all the answers he does promise us himself, and that mm-hmm. has to be enough he is He is good uh and he is gracious let's go to ben in california ben you're live on the air with tim chalice what's your question or your comment
2: uh hey i'm grateful to be here with you
0: guys um can you hear me okay yes please go right ahead can
2: you hear me okay sorry about the delay there thank you uh thank you for doing this today it's uh it's very timely uh, in my life at least i um my wife and i have been going through uh something even just this week we uh our daughter had developed a rare blood infection and um, subsequently uh, two days ago I had to have open heart surgery and uh, she's eight years old and, you know, we've been watching her fight uh, for her life. Mm. And um, what Tim said in particular about keeping track of the things that God is doing on a daily basis has just resonated in my, in my heart. Um, you know, I'm a associate pastor at my church and my, even now, my faith has just been um, has been rocked and been strengthened at the same time, and I have been doing just that and just what you were saying, um, recording his his words and his goodness um, in my phone. And um, you know, I would love to know. I'd hate to take you back to that that most painful time, um, but I'm. Wondering if she'll live, and you know, not knowing the answer to that is is tough. But I would love to know um, what it was like for you um, to walk through that first stage, wow. um, and how how God broke through for you. You know, what was that like? Hmm.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the question. I'm very sorry to hear about your daughter and very uh, hopeful that uh, she will uh, recover her health. Um, those first days were extremely difficult in any number of ways, but perhaps most of all because grief takes over the entire body, mind, spirit. Everything just gets dull and, and dark, uh, some sort of self-protection mechanism, I think. and. Um, I think things get a little harder beyond that after the first few days or weeks when you really you start to regain your senses and uh, really find yourself then struggling, I think, with the big questions. But we knew that people were praying for us. we We felt as much as anyone can feel that we were being held up, just uplifted by prayer. And we just keep saying God was so kind to us, so present with us, so comforting to us. And... Um, we never heard voices booming from the sky. You know, God didn't speak from the clouds, but we heard God's, God's words spoken by people who loved us and came up, across us. And God didn't send angels to hug us, but he did send his people to hug us, to wrap their arms around us. And so we found such such comfort in God ministering to us through his people, which is what he promises to do. So um, we look back on those days with sorrow, of course, but also just a sense of how much God did and how much God loved us through that.
0: Mm. Ben, thank you so much for your call too. If you'll stay on the line, my producer is going to come on the line and give you a copy um, of the book. And uh, my my prayer and hope is that it'll minister to you. And after the show today, I'm going to pray for you and for your daughter. And and, and 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 again, we'll give you a copy of Tim's book. is called Seasons of Sorrow: The Pain of Loss and Comfort of God. Tim, we have we have about a minute uh, before the bottom of the hour. And 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 you know, one of the things you went through many highs and lows, but you you didn't lose your faith or or become angry, which is interesting because people respond different ways. Talk to us a little bit about that for maybe forty-five to five seconds, and we'll talk more on the other side as well.
1: Yeah, I, I I was speaking to somebody recently who was saying that when he went through a very similar experience, it didn't wreck his faith, but it did renovate his faith. And so it didn't cause him to lash out at God in anger, to, to shake his fist at the sky, but it did in some ways change the nature of his relationship with God. He had to re-examine who am I? Who is God? What is the, the, the relationship between us? And again, I think that's very common for all of us who go through a time of grief, perhaps especially unexpected grief. We have to reevaluate and reassess because we've come now to a deeper understanding of God and a deeper understanding of our own faith. you
0: are going to continue a conversation with Tim Challies with your calls, 877-548-3675. Again, it's 877 877- 548 Five four eight three six seven five to take your calls in just a minute. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. My guest is Tim Challies. We're talking about his new book, Seasons of Sorrow: The Pain of Loss, uh, Pain of Loss, and Comfort of God. Challies.com, it's all linked to edstetzerlive.com. The book, the website, Challies.com, is one of the most read uh, blogs, I guess, uh, but sites now uh, that talks about theology, and, and uh, I've found it helpful on many, many occasions. Uh, we just talked to, to Ben and uh, talked, he shared a little bit about his daughter, and um, we do want to ask you to join me in praying for for her and him in that situation. Um, I had our screener get his daughter's name, which I won't share in the air, but I'll, we'll be praying for her, Ben, and for you. Uh, one of the things that, that he said was his faith was, Ben said his faith was rocked and strengthened at the same time. Rocked and strengthened at the same time. I thought that was that was insightful. And Tim, shortly after Nick's death, you wrote, quote, I don't even know what to feel about my faith, about my God. You wanted to say, what am I supposed to do? How can I orient myself? when everything is so dim, so dull, so dark. Uh, tell us a little about that situation and maybe what broke through some of that reality. Mm -hmm. So uh, as I said before, when we go
1: through a time of real trauma, I, I do think something happens maybe like what happens in the physical world. Often when you really hurt your body for a time, you don't really feel it that, that sharply. And then it creeps up on you as it goes, almost like the body somehow trying to protect itself. And I think our, our minds and souls kind of do the same. And we're just so overwhelmed by the reality that this has happened that um, our minds really do go hazy. And so I think it was maybe a month or two after Nick died, we met with a couple around here that uh, had lost a son uh, a few years prior. And that was their first question. They said, do you still have grief brain? And that, that gave us terminology for something we knew we'd experienced, which was just this sense of, of darkness uh, coming over us. Not necessarily a, you know, a bad spiritual darkness, but just that it's so hard to live, to move, to, to do what you need to do. Um, you're almost like child, almost like a child in your uh, capacities again. And I think what, what broke through a lot of that was simply the march of time. That we just had to endure that, um, endure it by faith, of course, endure it prayerfully, and with God's people comforting us and ministering to us. But sometimes in life, that's really what we're doing: just putting in the time and uh, allowing ourselves to to start to recover a little bit. While, of course, looking to the truths of God's word and and His character.
0: Mm. Again, uh, Tim unpacks a lot of this in Seasons of Sorrow, the pain and loss, uh, the pain of loss and the comfort of God. Let's go to Terry in central Illinois. Terry, you're live on the air with your question or comment. Go right ahead.
3: Uh, Yes, uh, I I really appreciate your discussion. Um, I have have three older sisters and the middle one lost her daughter um, to breast cancer um, almost immediately after she graduated from college. So she was like 30. And this occurred in between the loss of uh, both our mother and then immediately after our father. Um, it, it resulted in a lot of bitterness with my sister. And um, her son, who does not live close to her, recently they uh, did a posthumous award for uh, her daughter. And her son said he didn't believe in posthumous awards, so he refused to attend. And so both of them are still in a very dark space. Um, And I'm just wondering if there's anything uh, that maybe he could suggest as far as somebody like myself trying to help them not walk on eggshells every time her name is mentioned or have some sort of conflict over this. Um, I know that her son is, He's totally. He he grew up in the church, but he's totally rejected everything now. Mm. And she um, probably wouldn't admit to that, but I believe she feels the same way. Um, mm. She's commented more than once if she walked into a church, it would probably collapse on top of her, wow. um, based on the way she feels now. Right. And well, uh, her daughter, yeah. Yeah. her her daughter was in a hospice for a while, and I mean she had. Uh, the pictures of laughing Jesus and all kinds of things. So I mean, she was showing in every way her her belief. Um, mm. And I, I just think they're stuck in that moment. I don't expect them to quote get over it, but right. I don't think they're they're going through the grieving process. And it's been, um, you know, quite a few years now. Um, so. Uh, okay. I just, I just felt compelled to call based on what I've already heard of what he has shared that, um, yeah. you know, well, maybe your
0: call, with... your call is welcome, Terry. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we want to, we want to give Tim the, maybe the opportunity to, to respond, but I, if you'll hold on the yeah, line too, I want to, I want to have my uh, producer come on and uh, right after Tim answers, she'll come on and give you a copy uh, of Tim's book. So Tim, uh, a lot, a lot of grieving and hurt there. That's, Cause some people to kind of walk away. Um, how do we help others grieve and move past that loss? Oh,
1: it's it's so difficult. And I think I think we have to first believe that God is um, God is very kind and very gracious and very forbearing or forgiving. If we're going through these periods of of just being really downcast, we can turn to Scripture and find words that can guide us. We can turn to the Psalms. We can turn to uh, other portions and just find words that can help us express our uncertainty or help us ex- express just we, we we don't know what's happened we don't know who you are god and um so i suppose i might want to to speak to to someone like his sister and just try and guide her to some of that language some of those words and say um god's not running away from your questions the bible isn't ashamed of your questions it's okay to ask these questions um, very sympathetically to say, we know you've gone through something truly, truly grievous. And uh, it, it shouldn't be surprising that you found that difficult, difficult to to grapple with and difficult to come to terms with. So, uh, but to lead them to, to answers, to lead them to truth, I think is always the key, always so important.
0: Yeah. I, I also too, I mean, it, it, I'm guessing in situations like, like this and uh, like, like Terry's situation, uh you know some people they're not going to be ready to to do that I, I think i I watched their reaction to uh one of my parents and kind of walked away from the lord for for a while come back um but really the people would come up and say, you know you know God works all things together for good and they they try to say those kinds of encouraging things that weren't received well um so what do you do when someone 's not ready to even Engage with some of the spiritual conversation. Maybe may I mean, I, I don't. You don't specifically address that in the book, but I guess I'm asking beyond that. How do you address a situation mm-hmm. like that? Someone who's just been so jarred by this has walked away, is unsure how to respond, and maybe not ready to hear some of the the scriptural truths. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a distinction here between
1: speaking doctrine and leading people to the to kindness, the person of our God. What, what the Christian faith offers that no other faith does is uh, God became man and entered into this world. He's the man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And so without, without having to give people theological answers, God works all things for good, God's sovereign, those sorts of things which are all true and good, maybe we can lead people just to our God as he is, lead them to Jesus Christ, the man who stood outside the tomb of his friend and wept real, bitter, sorrowful tears. So when we when we know who our God is and we understand how he operates in this world, that he truly does sympathize with us, I think that can be tremendously helpful. And then on the flip side, I think for people who are receiving poor comfort at times when people are bringing the wrong thing, I think it can be a a benefit just to take what you can from it and then just forgive those people um, for maybe bringing comfort that wasn't well-timed or wasn't very nuanced. So I think if both are in place, we'll we'll be able to give and receive comfort, and uh, the Lord will be graciously working through it.
0: Yeah, our our number again is 877-548-3675. We're taking your calls, talking with Tim Chalise. His new book is Seasons of Sorrow, the Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Again, eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. You talk a little bit about some of the moments of um, doubt and um, maybe an uncertainty, anger, um, all those things that you walk through and, and 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 you write at one point, it is it is God's ability and willingness to take that leaves me fearful. Um, what tell first? What does that mean? Do you still suffer that fear? How did you walk through that? Tell us more about that. I'm not
1: naturally a very fearful person. Um, My wife would be much more so and we balance each other out quite well that way. Um, So I've gone through life without spending a lot of time really fearing for what might happen, fearing the worst. Um, You know, I've always had a sense, I've always had a a fear of God in the sense that that the Bible calls us to, you know, my parents raised me in uh, in the fear of the Lord. Um, and that's just assessing the difference between ourselves and God, little piddly human beings versus this majestic, great, eternal, omniscient God. And so, of course, there's a, a sense of fear there. But I found on the, on the far side of this, this loss, um, I was actually afraid of God in the sense of being afraid of what else he might call me to. So I really felt God had called me to this time of sorrow, this time of suffering, um, he had put, he had engineered the circumstance in some way or been involved in it. So I received it from his hand, but I was afraid that he would do it again. And I think most people who have gone through some kind of a loss have that same sense or for a time, it sort of feels like there's a target on your back and you're really afraid of how God may exercise his, his sovereignty in your life or how, what he may call you to do. And uh, again, I think that that sense has diminished over time, largely, I think just through trusting in God, but also just through the passage of time. Time does heal, not every wound, of course, but it does uh, heal or soothe many of our wounds.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the reality is grief is, is, is a multi-layered, multi-faceted process that people kind of walk through differently, and I think it's a gift that yeah. you enable us to kind of walk through your grief with you. Um, you also talked some oh uh, about uh, ministering to uh, your wife and daughter, your daughter at this time. And I want to I wanna talk about that in, in just a second. Again, let me remind people as well that we're taking their calls, 877. We have one more segment left, 877-548-3675. And we come back, we're going to talk some about how Tim ministered to his family, his wife and his daughters, during this really difficult time. Again, taking your calls, 877-548-3675. All the links to the books and to Tim's uh, website can be found at edstetzerlive.com we continue our conversation in just a moment. Hey, we're back at Censor Live, um, continuing our conversation with Tim Challies. We're talking about his... His, uh, his new book, it's Seasons of Sorrow, the Pain of Loss, and the Comfort of God. We're going to go to the calls, but and just as I know folks are listening before we go to them, we do need to keep our calls brief because we got several folks that we want to kind of go through in this conversation. So I'm going to go first to Marvin in Lake, Illinois. Uh, Marvin, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment.
4: Uh, and as I've been listening to the program, a lot of it's been talking about an uh, adult coping with a child uh, that uh, that, leads, uh, that that the Lord takes before uh, uh, before we think it should happen anyway. Uh, uh, I would like to look at this from the perspective of a child who looks at the loss of an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father died when I was nine years old. And uh, he had led me to Christ when I was eight. He also led my two brothers to Christ. But when he died, my world was shattered. Mm. But I grew up, had a fairly normal life. And finally, uh, every once in a while, I pop up, why did God take take my dad so early? Uh, In a conversation with his oldest sister in Sweden, of all places, she told me, You know, your dad was uh, pretty sick and sickly when he was a young child. My father was a Swedish immigrant. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just kind of said, hey, how long was your dad uh, here? Long enough to lead you and your brothers to Christ. And Mm -hmm. since then, I have not had a major issue with it. But -hmm. the whole idea of how a child handles this is uh, a very long-term issue.
0: Oh, sure, sure. And Marvin, thank you for your call. If you'll hold on, too, we want to give you a copy of Tim's book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Because, I mean, again, through the book, Tim, you, you, I mean, the idea of loss and comfort is a theme throughout that happens to be through the lens of a very painful moment in your life, but lots of comfort in there for all different kinds of folks as well, yes?
1: Yeah, and I, I think if we were to maybe Venn diagram suffering or sorrow, you know, circles, um, each one being a different kind of sorrow you 'd see there 's an awful lot of overlap between them uh, there 's maybe some unique aspects of a parent losing a child, some unique aspects of a young child losing a parent, etc but largely our, our sorrow and suffering raises many of the same issues in our minds and causes us to wonder the same thoughts in our hearts and causes us to cry out to god and so I think any book on suffering or anyone who's been through suffering can minister to you regardless of your circumstance because there's always so much that's the same.
0: Yeah, and you talk about ministering to others. You ministered to your wife and your daughters. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, how you sought the Lord to comfort them, how you prayed. Tell us a little bit about that journey.
1: Yeah, that— it would be hard enough to go through a deep loss if you were the only one who was experiencing it. But of course, um, that's not the way we live. God connects us to other people, and so other people mourn and grieve with us. And harder still than going through a loss is watching the people you love the most go through a loss. And so there's this interconnected web of grief in a home when somebody dies, where you're grieving on your own behalf, but you're also grieving because your wife is grieved and your daughter is grieved. And, and then you start to realize that everybody grieves in a different way. And so if we, we talk about love languages, familiar terminology, I'm sure there's grief languages as well, in the sense that people express grief according to their gender, according to their personality, according to um, their maturity, all sorts of different things. And um, that raises complications where um, you might think, well, because that person's not grieving in the way I do, that person's grieving wrongly. So we just need to extend such mercy and such grace to one another to allow us to endure this in our own way and to find healing uh, in a way that's just consistent with the way we grieve.
0: Mm. I'm going to try to squeeze in one more call, Betty. We're going to go to you in Grand Rapids, Michigan in just a second. And, but we've got to, unfortunately, keep it, keep it brief. So, Betty, go ahead with your question and your comment.
2: Hi, yes. Um, hi. Um called me because um, on July 2nd, 2021, um, my son lost his wife and all five children. Six people were killed on um, the highway in uh, Toronto, wow. Arizona, by a car accident. Wow. So um, I'm still with God. I know that God is good. But my son had not returned to church. He seemed to be like angry right now with God because he lost his wife and all five children, six people at one time. And I just want to know how to help him to, you know, to just continue on. Yeah.
0: You know, I know everyone goes through a their own question. way. Yeah. Yeah. Betty, what a great question, too. If you'll hold on, we're going to give you a copy of Tim's book. But, but Tim, I mean, gosh, what a tragedy, Betty. We're so sorry. Um, how, what, would you speak to somebody else who's kind of not, just not sure how to respond or maybe has responded and walked away? Help us with that. I'm sorry, I I couldn't hear the caller very well, so I didn't catch most of that. She she had she she lost some um some family members. Uh son lost his wife and all all the children on July 2nd. Uh oh. and son just kind of I didn't, I didn't go to church anymore, kind of walked away. And and she wants to know how she can best encourage to him or son. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm so sorry. And yeah, I think uh
1: what I said before um to to the other caller is is so so important to lead people to God and lead people to the God who really is, to, to this God who's kind and loving and compassionate and this God who loves us so much that he sent his only son into this world to, to live and to die. And um, on, the, on the very first night, as Aileen and I were just overwhelmed by grief, I think the Lord put this thought in my mind, which was simply, God knows what it is to lose a son. And uh, the Christian faith offers us this hope that our God does sympathize with us. He knows what it is to endure uh, great sorrow. And so we can look to Him and we can find our comfort and our hope in Him.
0: Mm. Um, the book, throughout the book, again, the book is Seasons of Sorrow, the Pain of Loss, and the Comfort of God. You do, I don't know, it's almost a cliche, but you very much have a God-centered approach to these things, uh, which just lines with your theology and mine. Why is it so important that we even walk through these journeys, looking to the Lord as the source of our strength through through tragedy?
1: Yeah, our natural tendency is to put ourselves in the center of the world, to assume we're the most uh, important thing, that everything revolves around us. And so, uh, after Nick died, one of the things I found myself wondering was, was it something I did? Did God yeah. take Nick because of something I had done? And I really was feeling deep deep sorrow, deep angst about that. And, and what pulled me out of that was standing in the mountains and just looking up and seeing the majesty of God and realizing, all right, I'm not the one at the center of this universe. God is. And why would I think that I had done something that now made God take another person's life because of me. I'm not the center of of existence, the center of humanity. And so um, taking ourselves out and just looking at God and saying this world exists because of God, this world exists for the glory of God. And if that's true in the big picture, that's true in the nitty gritty. So somehow God is is doing good. Somehow God is bringing glory to himself, even through these
0: things that grieve us so deeply. Tim, you ministered to me and to many today. Uh, I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of our calls, the friends who called in as well. The book is Seasons of Sorrow, the Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God by Tim Challies. Let me thank Tim for joining me today, for writing this book that walks through a painful journey that ministers to us. Let me thank our team working behind the scenes at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, engineer Courtney Young, and manning the phones today, Charles Coletta and Luke Costaldo. So thankful for the even they are able to minister some folks on the calls as well. Tune in next week. I'm going to talk to Lisa Bevere about how scripture can light your way and give you daily encouragement as you walk with God. To hear today's program again, go to edstetzerlive.com and subscribe to the podcast there. Thanks for listening.